actually super excited to share this little talk today, and, and it's, uh, it's, like, it's a continuation of, of the Easter, Easter story, and um, I love Easter. It's obviously such a great opportunity to gather, and it tends to be the best version of yourself as a church. I've seen that for years at, at Missionary, and here we had this great Sunday in that other space, and one of the things that we found out in the other space, we really like that space, so I'm actually talking with the church here about moving over to that other room, and we may be able to do that within a couple weeks if you were... Uh, my keys. What? He's running the show. Uh, we love that space, so we're talking with them about using it, and maybe within a couple weeks, it just seemed to afford us some room to kind of connect. We're obviously big on community, and there's tables in there, and we can have spaces for kids in that building, and there's a nursery space, and so uh, we liked it, so stay tuned for that. It won't be super dramatic. It'll still be at the same time for now that we're always curious if a morning slot opens up. Uh, but we love kind of being over there, so uh, stay tuned there. A couple things coming up this week. We've got a guys meet up at Made West on Wednesday, uh, like 7, 7.15 to 9. Just kind of get together, chat, catch up with one another, see what's going on in life. Women's dinner this Friday at our house. At, uh, Amy's hosting that again this time. That's just, just a time to, again, break bread, share an experience, uh, tell a story, listen, see what opens up. And then next Saturday, we're kind of jumping on to it, a little light right now, but this Neighbor Day movement. And it's not necessarily a church movement, it's just a neighboring movement. And uh, we thought, what, what can we do to neighbor better? And what if we as a church or as people, as human beings, just actually loved our little, literal neighbors a little bit more so, and the world would be a better place. So, uh, so next Saturday, the kind of challenge is, we'll put this out again on, on social media and our newsletter, just, just do some random act of kindness toward your neighbor, like your actual neighbor, the person next door, or, or those who live next door within a circle of that, even the neighbor you don't like. We have a couple neighbors, and some, some of our neighbors we get along with really well, it's real easy, and there's some other neighbors that are just weird, like they're just straight up weird neighbors, and we have to love those guys, too. So we're thinking, how do we, like, reach out to those weird neighbors, and how do we kind of bless them with something? So that could be a bottle of wine, some cookies. Uh, use your imaginations. Think, who lives in proximity to me? It could be anonymous, so you don't have to have them, oh, no, what if I leave something? Then they're going to come over and think we're friends. Oh, no, like, don't worry about that. Just, just slowly reach out in your own way. I think we all know those people. So, um, so Neighbor Day coming up on Saturday, and just kind of stay tuned with us uh, through social media. And we'll see what happens. Just, we'll, we'll listen to some stories. I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll be some stories that come out of that. Um, but last Sunday, we obviously looked through the Easter story and went through a couple versions in Luke and, and John. And I want to pick up today in, in the book of Luke, and he kind of continues on. So we have the resurrection. There's these revelations of who Jesus is. And then it kind of goes on a little bit. And Luke, I, I particularly like at the end, uh, Luke's storytelling ability, because Luke isn't done with his gospel. So the gospel of Luke is just the beginning part of a bigger picture called, which is Luke and Acts. So many of you probably heard this, but Acts kind of rolls right through where the end of Luke picks off. Same author, and he has this whole thing in mind. So Luke kind of rolls us into this story uh, a little differently than the other gospel writers who are kind of concluding their piece. Luke's like, all right, I got plenty of time to flesh out some more stuff. But, so he, he pays a little more attention to detail at the end here. And we'll talk about this revelation, this revelation of sort of, of this, this vision of understanding Jesus, even though he's in the midst of us. And uh, some of you have been able to be out and, you know, we've been camping in nature. And my, my family and I get up to Sequoias 
uh, once, uh, usually once a summer at least, and we get on these really great hikes with the kids and this beautiful, massive trees and, and nature. And we're going with the kids, and we usually meet up with some, some friends and some, some family. And when you're walking these trails, especially as a dad, you're, like, you're trying to tell everyone to be quiet, like, shh, shh, be quiet, look around you, look around you, see what you might see, see what you might hear. And the kids are excited, and they're chatting and talking and throwing things. But if, occasionally, you could actually get them to be quiet and listen to the forest. And this is, this is just as hard for, for us as adults sometimes, too. Just be quiet and listen and walk quietly and see what might be revealed. And on more than one occasion, we'll be hiking a trail and um, this listening and under sort of discipline of hopefully of silence and just appreciation of, of where we are. And you'll, and you'll kind of stop and just look around. And, and we've seen a few times just a big deer or a buck just kind of a few trees away just staring at us. And the kids are always kind of like, where did he come from? Right? Where did he come from? Did he just like sneak up on us? But the reality is for the deer, he'd been there the whole time. And he might ask, where did you come from? I've been here. I've been here watching. And you finally showed up. You finally quieted yourself enough to see this, right? So how many times we just pass through things, particularly like on a nature, right? You're just walking through and you're busy. You want to get to where you're going. If you stop and listen, you find these things are there. So we find these disciples in the book of Luke. And this is in uh, Luke 24. And uh, we'll pick up in verse 13. This is the road to Emmaus story. And and what's happening here is these two disciples of Jesus. And now disciples at this time, we're going to understand, they're in pretty deep with Jesus. They wouldn't use this term loosely. Like, oh, they were just some, like, casual church people. Now, they were disciples of Jesus. They followed him. They had pouring their life into the life of Christ. They were on the road with him. They were listening to him. They were studying him. They were serving with him. So these guys were in deep with Jesus. And they get on this road, and they're leaving Jerusalem, where the events of, uh, of, of kind of Easter have just taken place. Uh, he has been crucified and risen again, though they don't know this yet. Uh, they've heard a little bit about, like, wow, the tomb's empty. That's weird. But they're leaving Jerusalem on their way back to Emmaus, which presumably where they live. Emmaus is about seven miles from, uh, from Jerusalem. And some of the exact locations, not exactly known, but we have a good idea that it was sort of in the seven-mile radius. So they, they begin this journey back to Emmaus, back to where they came from. And it says this in verse 13. Now, the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that happened. If we can kind of put ourselves in the shoes of these guys of this day, like these, this major kind of social political event just happened. They were disciples of Jesus. They were excited about this movement, excited about maybe this coming king. And then it kind of takes his turn, and Jesus is crucified, and he dies He's in this tomb. Now the tomb's empty, and they're like, what happened? What, what, what maybe even went wrong? Where did this get offline? Because we don't get this. And in the text, the kind of Greek word uh, could actually refer to more debating. So they're walking this road, and they're debating. They're almost like this kind of argument, like, what the heck was that whole thing? Jesus came to town. He was killed. We saw him put in a tomb. Then he's gone, and they're just trying to figure this thing out. And I think for the disciples of this day, and we touched on this over the story of last week, there was, there was definitely a, a bit, particularly on this Saturday and coming into Sunday, of being let down. Being let down by something that they expected, something they were looking forward to, they invested into as disciples. Now they're let go, like, well, I have nothing now. Like, now we're just going back home. We're all on board with this movement. We were super excited. Now we're like, well, I guess we just go home now. It's over. Like, that didn't go so well. They invested life time, resources, in following this man, and now, here we go, we're just going back home, like, as if nothing ever happened. And I have to imagine most of us have wrestled with that feeling, even, even if we're honest, around our faith. 
Like you invest in your faith, you invest in maybe even community or God and trying to understand him. You think life's going to open up and then it's sort of like, well, I'm just going back home now. That didn't seem to pan out. Right? We've had work like that. We've worked jobs like that. Like, man, I've invested so much and nothing. Relationships, I poured into this relationship and then nothing. Right? And so these disciples are kind of churning. These feelings are churning through them. What happened there? We poured ourselves into it. One of the aspects of life that can keep us from kind of drifting into depression on those things, when those things fail, if they go back, like, were the disciples following Jesus for the end result, like that they were going to, Jesus was going to be king and things were going to be really nice? Or was there a prompting, this was something bigger and they were being obedient in the moment? And so you and I have that kind of wrestling match sometimes with our relationships, our faith, our jobs. Am I supposed to be here? And if you're supposed to be there, then even if it gets hard and gets difficult, that's that's okay, because you can find comfort in this sort of hope, like, no, I'm supposed to be here. We need to practice our faith, that sort of obedience that sometimes doesn't make us comfortable. Verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. Now, it's under, this, this phrase, kept from recognizing him, it's been kicked around in, in the language. It's, it hasn't been concluded. It doesn't necessarily mean it was this divine impact of God in their life, like God blinded them. They were kept from recognizing them. It also could reflect their own ability to not see. Like they were just kept from recognizing him because of something in their, in their own life. And we kind of read on. He says, they asked them, Jesus asked them, what are you guys discussing together as you walk along? He says, they stood still, their faces downcast. And if you have to think about this picture, this posture, this story that Luke's telling, the message he's trying to get across, you wonder if this posture of standing still, looking at the ground, in a state of despair, Maybe it's hard to see Jesus in your life if that's your posture. If you're in a state of already sort of depression, looking down, like we failed, we're losers, nothing's going to happen, like maybe you're just going to miss Jesus sometimes. Maybe you're just going to miss that hope. Their countenance says it all. They stood still, their faces downcast. You know, these disciples, they had hope, but now that hope was buried, buried in the tomb. And as far as they know, that hope hasn't risen again. It's just lost now. Like, it's, it's been stolen, right? Hope's been buried. They haven't yet understood that it's risen. I was reading this great quote, article, but it included this Martin Luther King quote that says, we must accept finite disappointment but never lose infinite hope. And there's going to be these series of events in our lives that are disappointing, like straight up. I don't care how much you give and serve and how close you are to Jesus, your life is going to have disappointment. But never lose, never lose sight of this infinite hope that we have in Jesus. And our guys today, they didn't quite have that yet. Like, ah, uh, you know, it's going to be okay. Like, they're just like, man, this, this blows. This sucks. We had Jesus, and now we don't. One of them, then, Cleopas, asked him. Uh, Cleopas, interesting, a lot of the ancients would actually consider this guy to maybe be Joseph's brother, uh, G- the father of Jesus, the kind of stepfather of Jesus. So possibly Jesus' uncle. We're not, not 100% sure. He said, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days. So they're on this road out of Jerusalem to Emmaus, and this guy's joining them on the road. Like, wow, he's, he's obviously coming from Jerusalem. He was there. How did he miss all this stuff that went down? Right? Are, the, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know these things? And it's kind of like they're walking along, having this pretty heated maybe debate or conversation about life, and then some dude walks up to him like, what are you guys talking about? Like, what happened? Right? And they're kind of like, who is this fool, and why is he following us? Who's this creeper guy like walking along the side of the road, doesn't know anything that's going on? And I can almost imagine if we think about the personality of Jesus, there, there go God. What is going on here that he kind of walks alongside these guys, just kind of playing them, playing a little bit? 
hey, what are you guys talking about? What's going on here? They're like, what? You don't know? Jesus like, well, I don't know. What things? And they're like, well, Jesus of Nazareth. Verse, verse 19 and 20. He was a prophet, powerful in the word and deed before God and all the people. The chiefs, priests, and all the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. Like we, we thought this was going to be different. We thought this time that we invested and this was our opportunity, things were going to be differently, go differently. We were going to be redeemed. And what is more, it is the third day since it all took place. So there was this sort of illusion like, well, we, we thought maybe after a few days we would understand what's going on. Like still we got nothing. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning. They didn't find his body. They came and told us that he had a, had, they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive but some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not see Jesus. So it was like, something's going on, but we don't get it. And, and he hasn't showed up to us yet. Jesus says to them, how foolish you are, how slow to believe all the things the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus explains all the scriptures on this sort of like seven-mile walk that ends up being like the ultimate Old Testament class ever. Jesus is like, let me break this down for you. Here's how this goes. And he just, he just downloads in his sort of divine way how it all points to him and why everything is meant to be the way it is in this moment. And yet they still didn't understand. Jesus paints it out. He still don't understand. And because when you're focusing on something sort of hopeless in your own despair, in your own life, that's going to paint your reality. Right? Your focus determines your reality. If you're lost in hopelessness, you will see hopelessness. If you're lost in despair, you're going to see despair. If you're, if you're focused on all the stuff you don't have, you're going to see what you don't have. Right? Our focus determines our reality that way. Quagon Jin, anybody? Sharp guy. Your focus determines your reality. If you're focused on where you are, like what just, what just went wrong, that's what you're going to, that's what you're going to live in. They miss Jesus. Jesus can explain it. He can walk alongside of him. God can be present right there. Like, no, still kind of focus on all that time we spent following Jesus. Now we're just going back home. Right? And that becomes their reality, and they miss it. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. Like, Jesus is pretending just to kind of keep going. Again, I think about the humanity of Jesus as person. He's just like, ah, I'm going to pretend like I'm keep going and see if they invite me to stay. Like, obviously they're going to invite him to stay. He just kind of, he's like a jokester, right? Jesus is kind of joking on these guys. They urged, they urged him strongly, stay with us. For it's nearly evening, the day's almost over, so he wants to stay with them. Like, listen, where are you going to go now? Let's just hang out. Let's, 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 let's find out some more. And what I like about this, because I think people are drawn to truth. These disciples are drawn to the truth that Jesus is sharing, even if it's a little bit harsh, he basically calls them fools. He's like, you idiots. Have you followed this story at all? And they're like, well, I don't know. Why don't you stay with us and let's have dinner. Let's hear more about how we're idiots. Like it, he, they're okay with it because the truth is coming out. Stay with us. Let's spend more time together. They don't have it figured out, but they feel like, man, if we could just spend more time with this guy, maybe we'll get it. When he's with them at the table, he's, he, he took the bread he gave thanks, he broke it, and began to give it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. There's this moment of intimacy with Jesus at the table, that even though all the journey and the conversation they had in the Old Testament class, as they sit down this moment of intimacy with Jesus, their eyes are open. Right? Their eyes are open. 
early on in the text, they could not see, but now as Jesus sits with them, breaks bread, this in- intimacy creates revelation. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked with, excuse me, our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? It's like, man, he, wait, wait, maybe there's something before as we went back. But this intimacy of fellowship, Jesus is recognized. And I love Luke. We've talked about this. Luke loves to, to tell a story over meals. And there's something about breaking bread at the table. Right? Despite all the information he had gotten and the debate and Jesus walking with them, once they sat at the table, looked each other in the eyes, they saw something. They saw God was present. And the moment was a meal. It was just a meal. They're breaking bread. But it was also something more. It was a, it was a conversation, but then it was something bigger. It's this transcendent moment where the living God was now present. And this is Jesus then, this is Jesus now, right? Sometimes we, we, we see him as we believe. There was something slow about this process of like, oh, maybe there is something there. We felt a little burning in our heart. Maybe this is the guy. You almost could kind of see one of the disciples say, oh, yeah, I actually knew that that was Jesus. My heart was burning earlier on. I, I was pretty sure. You know, people say stuff like, oh, I knew that all along. I knew it was Jesus. Like, oh, yeah, I knew. Like, our hearts were burning. You, you didn't know, but you could have known. And the point is, maybe there was a moment where there was this whisper, there was a nuance that God was speaking, that Jesus was walking alongside of him, that, that he was not dead, but he was now present. They were just distracted in the context and circumstance of their own life. Whereas if we can slow down and listen, maybe he was there the whole time. Man, we, we felt like we felt something, man. Gosh, how many instances in your life have you, have you gone through that? Like, you know what? I actually did know better. I actually did feel something, but I was too sort of bent on this direction to, feel, to, to, to admit to it and to, and to dive in. Jesus was present the whole time. Oswald Chambers says that God does not tell you what he's going to do, but he reveals to you who he is. And this is a great quote to sort of wrestle with. God did not tell them exactly how this was going to go, but he reveals himself to us in, in, in due time. So they got up, they returned to Jerusalem at once, so they were at this meal. Jesus is with them. We're not sure how this went down, but Jesus is no longer there, and like, oh my gosh, we've got to get back to Jerusalem and tell people, because they had been told by the women that he's, he's, he's cool, Jesus is alive, and angels were there, and he's going like, eh, we don't really believe that story, and they went back on their way. But now they've seen Jesus, and they want to go back and sort of share this news. So they found the 11 and those with them assembled together and saying, it's true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two of them told them what happened on the way, and Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And later on, we'll look at it next week, but Jesus is then eventually appears to them. These guys are excited. They come back. Jesus is impacting their life, and they see Jesus breaking bread. And, and this is the story of Jesus' resurrection, that he had come back, and he didn't just come back and then float into heaven. He comes and he hangs out. And he's breaking bread, and his, his new life is bursting forth in the life then and as it is now. And these guys are beginning to see that, like, wow, this story is not over. Again, Luke is going to continue on this through Acts. The story is not over. Jesus is here. He's going to continue to live with us, at least for a time now. We're going to continue to sort of break bread and be together and learn and, and create story. And like, it's going to be okay. They're excited it's going to be okay. And some of us need to hear that. It's going to be okay. Right? I was talking with somebody a couple weeks ago, and they were in a little bit of a state of despair over 
business and life and just like throwing it all away. And, and I just kind of felt like as simple as it is, and sometimes we don't like to hear this, like, hey, man, it's going to be okay. You're here now. You're here now. It's going to be okay. You got here somehow. You've had this moment before, and here you are. And some of us need to be reminded of that. We've been there before. You're here today. It's okay. You might get there again. It'll be okay again. Everything will be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's not the end. And this is the story of hope. This is the infinite hope of Jesus. Everything's going to be okay. If it's not okay, (laughs) it's not the end yet. So we're going to sing a couple more songs of Noah come down. It's going to process that stuff. I, I think we're all so caught up in life sometimes and whatever that is. And it's sometimes it's good things with kids and it's work and it's, it's career and all this stuff. And we, miss, we just miss simple moments. God would impact our life here today. So we pray for us and, um, yeah, we'll kind of wrap up with a couple songs. God, thanks for who you are, Lord. I thank you that you are a God that walks beside us. I think, thank you that you're a God that puts up with us, even when we're focused on ourselves and sort of self-pity of wherever our circumstance is. God, thank you for that hope. That we have this great hope, Lord. Even if we don't always feel it in the moment, we know it will eventually be okay because in the end it's going to be okay. I pray that a message would ring true to the hearts that need it right now, hearts in despair. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen.